Boys, it's been a great morning. Oh, it's been fabulous, fabulous. We've had Father Ernie here sharing about healing and the ministry of healing and the importance of uh, being knowledgeable about our faith when we face those kinds of trials so that we can face them courageously and, and be ready for what God has for us. And Father Dave is marvelous. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, last night we talked about Jesus not being a tame lion. You know, Jesus was a wild lion. And now we hear the Holy Spirit's a wild goose. And maybe, the, maybe God's speaking something to us. Maybe we need to be a little more wild and crazy in our lives. Um, you know, and what a marvelous testimony Beth just offered. That was, that was so dynamic. You know, I, I teach baptism preparation at uh, St. Robert Bellarmine, and one of the things I always tell parents, I says, when this child is baptized, she is, he or she, is sealed as Christ's own forever. And there's so many stories of people wandering off away from the faith, away, from, you know, into destructive lifestyle, and God just always calling them back, always calling them back. That's a marvelous testimony. I'll be telling your testimony to a lot of uh, young families, I, I assure you. And, uh, you know, Father Dave, you know, he has a talent that not everybody recognizes, and that is he is the fashion trendsetter. You know, he shows up in brown, all right? You notice he's always wearing brown? So I, I, I see Stan's here in brown this morning. Yeah, Leo's wearing brown. Um, the chairs are in brown. And I know you've had some really dynamic speakers here this morning. And then you get me. But at least I'm wearing brown. Oh, for um, those of you who are planning on making a confession today, we have several priests who are offering that. I have a little free pamphlet here on the joy of reconciliation. It's at the little table. You'll feel free to take one. It goes through the Ignatian Examine. It's actually an excerpt from my next book which will be learning to listen to God, and it goes through um, several different, uh, how different saints prayed, how St. Teresa prayed, how St. Ignatius prayed. It goes through hesychastic prayer, you know, how the, uh, the ancient Syriacs and Greek desert fathers, how they prayed, um, and just helps you to try to formulate a synthesis, synthesis of that so that you can kind of form and shape your own prayer life. But in that is a little talk about reconciliation, that's a little pamphlet there, and you're welcome to it. Let me go to uh, the scriptures I have this morning talking about. I'm reading from uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. Your lives will produce all kinds of good deeds, and you will grow in your knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength which comes from his glorious power, so that you may be able to endure everything with patience. And with joy give thanks to the Father who has made you worthy to have your share of what God has reserved for his people in the kingdom of light. He rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us safe 
into the kingdom of his dear son by whom we are set free. This is a pen. But I want you to imagine that it's a scale. Remember the old kinds of scales that, that had a little bar across and had little dishes on either side and you'd put little weights in to measure things? And I used to be fascinated by those when I was a kid, you know, and, you know, what is, how does this weigh against that, you know, and how many pennies does it take to measure an ounce? And uh, five, by the way. And, And I want you to notice that the way a scale, the way a balance works is by putting equal emphasis on both sides, equal weight on both sides. Because if you overemphasize one thing, then it's, it tilts off into the, to the wrong direction, or into one direction, right? And if it tilts too far, whatever you put on there just falls off. And there are a lot of concepts that the church actually has defined as heresy, not because they are were necessarily in themselves not true, but because they overemphasized some aspect of the faith to the point that it falls off. It no longer holds the balance. And I see that sometimes in, in our lives and, and even in, in our Catholic walk. Because sometimes we overemphasize this concept of our unworthiness and miss the joy that God has made us worthy. I grew up in Texas in the Southern Evangelical tradition, and it was hammered into us from childhood that. We were unworthy. I am unworthy. I mean, that is the, uh, the mantra of the Southern evangelical tradition. All have sinned. You know, it, it's, it's the great Calvinist equalizer. We're all, we're all equal because we're all condemned. You know, we're all, we're all sinners. We're all in the, in the sinking boat together. And it doesn't bring about the grace. Now, we used to sing the song Amazing Grace. You know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And then the preacher would always preach it, how we were always wretches. We used to sing this great song called, um, um, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die for such a worm as I. You know, <laughs> that's what we sang. That was, our, that was our concept of ourselves. We were worms in that right bed. I see her shaking her head. Yeah, been there, done that. Got the t-shirt to prove it. You know, this tremendous focus on our guilt and our shame. Now, why is that? Why do we gravitate to that so much? And it's been that way from the beginning. You notice what happens with, with Adam and Eve in the garden when they, when they have first violated God's commandment, when they um, have pursued the knowledge of good and evil, which you know, St. Paul, Paul teaches us that's the law. We've tried to pursue getting, we want to become like God, 
by having a law. We were seeking good and evil. And you notice how Adam reacts to that. He hasn't been, even been kicked out of the garden yet. And what, what, how, he has two in, initial reactions. The first is fear. He's afraid. He runs off and he hides from God. And the second is he is ashamed and he tries to cover himself. That fear and that shame is a natural aspect, a natural part of our, of our sinfulness. And we are indeed sinful. But what does the creed say? The creed doesn't say, I believe that we have all sinned and fallen short from the glory, of the glory of God. No, the creed says, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Look at the emphasis there. Yes, we are sinners, but we are forgiven. We have been made pure. We have been made righteous in Christ. That's the freedom. That's the joy. That's the joy that comes from, from having the experience of baptism. You know, when you're washed at baptism, completely washed and made pure, you come out without even the stain of original sin. You are completely washed and made pure. Now, the Blessed Virgin got that, you know, at conception. And that's a wonderful thing. We think of the Immaculate Conception. But then at baptism, we also are made immaculate. We are washed. The stain of original sin is washed away, and we are made pure. Now, someone who asked me not to talk about her in, the, uh, in my talk this morning, so I won't mention her name, but, but shortly after we got married, um, <laughs> she gave me this little plaque, by, uh, and, and it's in Hebrew, all right? Um, and, and she gave this to me because I, I speak a little Hebrew. And it's a, a, a quote from the uh, Union Prayer Book, the, the prayer book used by uh, Jews in synagogue worship. And it says, O Lord, the soul you gave me is pure. And I really, really struggled with that because that wasn't the way I was raised. I was raised that I was a worm. And for years, I just could not grasp the joy of the worthiness that God placed within us. I think part of that is, is that in the Southern Evangelical tradition, we talk about the blood of Christ cleansing us of sin, but it's, it's kind of like a shield. We're still sinners but the blood of Christ kind of shields us so that God doesn't see the sin. It doesn't talk about being purified, being made pure, being made worthy. And we have hard times a lot of times, a difficult time as, as Christians and as Catholics, because Catholics really know how to do guilt, right? And we have a hard time of seeing ourselves as being made worthy. I mean, don't we say in Mass every single day, 
I am not worthy. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. But then how does that end? And I shall be healed. I shall be cleansed. I shall be set free. I shall be made whole. We need to grasp that into ourselves. We need to take that and make it a part of us. As I mentioned last night, we have a crazy dog. And I was out with the dog the other day. And the dog, she's a really short dog. She's half terrier and half beagle, right? I, 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 called, her a, I called her a Boston beagle. And so she's got the, that really, um, how do you describe her? Uh, she's schizophrenic, all right? <laughs> But she found this, uh, she found a stick. Stick was much bigger than she was. And she wrestled with the stick and she got hold of the stick and she was prancing around the yard, held her held, held high, she's got her stick and she is so excited she got the stick and she's showing it off to everybody. She is thrilled at her stick. <laughs> Beloved, we have the Holy Spirit. And how many times do we want to run hide it? Can't we just learn to hold our heads up high and to be just pleased and joyous that God has graced us? You know, if anybody ever come to you and say, oh, are you a charismatic? Well, yeah, sort of. Yeah, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. We have the Holy Spirit. Hold your head up high. Let your light shine. Be filled with the joy of the Lord. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. God can do marvelous things when you don't run off and hide. Mention we're baptized, we're made pure, we're made holy, we're made free even of the stain of original sin. But then life happens, right? We all falter. We all falter. But that's the joy of reconciliation. Reconciliation is a sacrament. And all the sacraments are the same. Do you know that? All the sacraments serve the, serve the exact same purpose. And that is for you to receive Jesus. For you to encounter Jesus, as Father Dave would say. All the sacraments serve the same function. For you to encounter and receive Jesus. You receive Jesus in baptism, all right? Because you were adopted as a child of God. And you receive Jesus in the Eucharist as you take his body and blood into your body and you assimilate his body and blood. And there's that great exchange that takes place where 
we give him ourselves and he gives us himself in that Eucharistic feast. And we receive Jesus in the sacrament of confirmation as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life has called us to live. And we receive Jesus in the sacrament of reconciliation as we examine our consciences, lay our sins before God, and are absolved by the church of Jesus Christ, or absolved by the body of Christ, and restored to baptismal purity. Restored completely to baptismal purity. When I first became Catholic, and um, Bishop Bolin, holy Bishop, remember Bishop Bolin, wonderful, wonderful man, he decided that since I was a priest in the charismatic Episcopal Church and wasn't sure exactly what to do with me, he would assign me to another priest in the diocese to mentor me into the faith, to kind of bring me into the faith. And that priest was Father John Boulderson, the man I work for right now. And so we, we have these discussions, and I, you know, I came to him and I said, I want to make my confession. So he says, okay. So I, I had my list of sins, and I had a lot of sins, right? Um, my life, in all honesty, is, is not a straight line, all right? I, my life goes back and forth. I keep trying to follow God. God disappoints me. I get mad at God. I run away. You know, I did that once. I got mad at God and ran away. And I, I didn't know how to juggle, so I couldn't join the circus, and I ran off and joined the Navy. So, I mean, yeah, that, that was seven years of purgatory. So, you know, <laughs> um, my life has not been a straight line. So I have, I have lots of these things that I, that I wanted to, to cover. And so I go through this long list, and... He said, uh, and I remember this, he, he, he told me two things. First, he assigned me a penance. And he says, I want you to kneel before the crucifix for 10 minutes and just say to yourself, he loved me that much. That was penance. I like this priest. <laughs> and the next thing he said was, and I don't want you ever to tell me those sins again. Because here's why. When we confess our sins, what does God do? He does three things, right? He does three things. First, he forgives us of our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins. And the second thing he does is he forgets our sin. He forgets it. He forgets it. He says, I will take your sin and cast it into the sea of forgetfulness and remember it no more. And the third thing God does is he separates us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. They they just don't ever come back together. They're gone. And we just need the grace to let that happen. 
to say that is no longer a part of me. No more. It is no longer, whatever that was, whatever, whatever struggle, whatever temptation I gave into, um, whatever I did in, you know, in, in war, you know, all those things, they're gone. They're separate. They are forgiven, they are forgotten, and they are gone. So I can hold my head up high. I am a child of God, made pure, made holy, made worthy. We miss so much that what, of what God has for us because we, we, we beat ourselves up. I am so unworthy. I am so... I, I have so many shortcomings. I have so many failings. There's so much in me that is just not right. Well, so what? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about who is in you. Isn't that right, Beth? She gets baptized. She doesn't even know it. And so Jesus is there her whole life, drawing her back, drawing her to himself. She doesn't know who he is. He's that old face in the window. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's a great testimony. We don't know what God has for us, but we can hide from it and never know. Are we going to hold up our heads high and receive the joy of the Lord and let God's ministry happen in us? Believe me, in this, this trip, you know, like I say, in my zigzag of life, this trip back into ministry, when I first came into the Catholic Church, I, I thought I would be able to be a priest in uh, the same way Father Ernie became a priest. Now, he was an Episcopal priest. He became a Catholic, became a Catholic priest through what's called a pastoral provision. And so Bishop Bolin and I were talking about that, and he says, yeah, I think that's great for We've got this other Episcopal priest, his name's Ernie Davis, you know, he's, he's talking about this too. And um, so I said, great, this is a great plan. So I've become Catholic, and then he says, well, it's not going to work for you. I won't go into all the reasons, all right? But there were some in the diocese that were opposed to me becoming a priest. And so now what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm out of ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer can function as a priest. So I work as a computer technician for a while. I work in IT for a robotics company. I, we owned a coffee shop for a while. We, I, did business, I did business consulting for a while. And one of the things I was doing as a business consultant was teaching people how to find out what they would do well in, what kind of business they would do well in. And in that process, I, I wrote this book, Where Do I Go From Here? That's what it's about. It's learning, you know, it's essentially finding out what God made you to do and then giving you some practical steps to, to be able to do that. And as I'm working through this book, as I'm writing this book and I'm, I'm going through my life and I'm going, I, I'm in the wrong place. 
you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to function in one way, but this, I, this is not who God made me to be. I need to be back in pastoral ministry. So then that begins another long journey of uh, finding my way back into ministry in the church. So now, you know, on staff at Robert Bellarmine. I have my own service, which is, an, which is surprising. We had, I have a Vesper service there on uh, Sunday evenings. For the first time in 15 years, I'm preaching every Sunday again. <laughs> so, God is able to restore. And God is able to bring joy and there's a great passage, and restore the years that the locusts have eaten. There have been a few locusts in my life, but God has always brought restoration. And I know those, I know there are those who want to accuse who want to judge, who want to point out, you're not worthy. Look at all your mistakes. You're not worthy. You know, there is a... Uh, there is someone in the Scripture who is referred to as the accuser of the brethren. And that's Satan, who stands before God and accuses the brethren. But the scripture says that Jesus stands before God and is always interceding for us. So you've got the one who is interceding and you've got the one who is accusing. Which side are we on? We need to not listen to the accuser and listen to the intercessor. We need not to let the accuser rob us of the joy, the excitement, the pride, if you will, of being a child of God. You know, a lot of times, pride is looked on as a bad thing. And it is a bad thing. It's one of the seven deadly sins. But there are different kinds of pride. You know that? There are different kinds of pride. And when you're, you know, you can be proud of your father. And when your father is God, you can be real proud of your father. It's okay. It's okay to be happy that you are a child of God right down to your toenails. To rest in that joy in that confidence that God has made you worthy. Not because you've suddenly gotten perfect, but because every time the accuser is bringing up something, the intercessor is there covering it, washing you, making you clean. So, Let's know the joy of the Lord. Let's know the joy of the Lord. 
Let's be confident in the joy of the Lord. We don't need any Christians, you know, who are just so wretched about themselves that they've lost their confidence. They won't speak up for Christ. They won't stand up for Christ. That they just want to go hide. We want the courageous. We want the brave. We want those who are encouraged by joy. And not trade that joy for fear. Part of that is letting go of the things of this earth that hold us back. They don't hold us back because they have any power over us. They just hold us back because we won't let go of them. Let go. Enjoy God. Enjoy God. Enjoy God. He's living within us. He is the power of the, of the universe and greater than the universe. He has washed us free. He has washed us. He has set us free. Enjoy that. Let go of what you're holding on to that keeps you back. And move forward with Jesus. I want to close with this quote. It's a quote from St. Francis. When we leave this world, we take nothing with us. We take nothing with us that we have kept, but everything that we have given. Once again, I'm going to ask everybody just to close your eyes for a second. Take a deep breath. And as you let it out, just pray, thank you, God, for making me worthy. Take another deep breath, and as you let out, say, thank you, God, for making me free. Take a deep breath. As you let it out, say, Thank you, God, for making me your child. And precious Father, I know you have a task in each of our lives. You have a calling on each of our lives that will further your kingdom, that will bring about your redemption in the world. And I ask you to speak into the hearts of all of us as we're here. We might see that plan. We might follow you without fail. And be empowered in the joy of the Holy Spirit. For you have set us free and made us worthy and filled us with the confidence of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can hold us back. Nothing can hinder your power. The great waters cannot quench
quench your love for the world. Let us be a part of that, Lord. Let us be your love in the world. Let us be your life in the world. Let us be your word in the, in the world. Thank you, precious Jesus. Amen.